0: So many people tell McCoy to shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. hey,
1: <I> wonder why. <laughs>
0: Man, I used to really like McCoy. Now I think
1: he's just an <laughs> annoying little bitch. <laughs> Welcome to Dammit Jim, the podcast, your weekly adventure into the fun and fascinating world of Star Trek, the original series. I'm Dana Smith, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend and fellow Star Trek fan, Dan Calzaretta. Good evening, Dan. Dana, I want to apologize to
0: all of our listeners and to you for contracting the COVID and having to be off last week.
1: Yeah, and I had spent time with you right before you caught it, and uh, (laughs) so I was... uh, swabbing my nose like every other day to see if i had it (laughs) so yeah you owe me well the funny thing is we were
0: we were on a trip we went to nashville with two of our other friends and no one got covid but me
1: uh we went to nashville music uh went down on broadway uh music so loud during the day staying in the middle of the street you can barely hear yourselves talk a lot of good music though we uh, checked out several bars. Most of them were country. A couple were more like country rock, but it was it was a lot of fun and ate a lot of good food. Oh, a lot, a lot, Dana. I uh, had to wean myself off of French fries. I think we had French fries with every meal. I did not have one vegetable <laughs> that was not fried
0: <laughs> the entire time. I'm sure.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say there was a vegetable somewhere in there. I don't remember that. Well, potatoes
0: so. are they vegetables? I mean, are they technically they're tubers, right? I don't even know if they're vegetables tubers? Aren't they tubers? <laughs> I don't
1: know. I thought they were tubers. I, you know, They probably taught me that in high school when I was asleep. So uh, so what was your favorite part uh, about Nashville, Day? Wow, there were so many things. We went
0: to Printer's Alley, which was kind of off the beaten track, and so we went to a blues bar there that I thought was really good. However, they had no alligator, because apparently we learned that there's an alligator shortage, Dana, right? Nationwide. Yeah. Which was weird, but that was fun. But I'd say the One of the strangest things, we were walking around one night and we saw a guy with a hawk. Remember that guy? Oh, yeah. I thought he was like a busker, you know, and he was going to like have the hawk do a trick and-
1: Tear your face off, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) it land on you and I won't tear your eye out if you give me a (laughs) dollar or five. But he told us that they were hired by this, I guess, block association of businesses to scare off the starlings. Yeah. Which I thought was fascinating.
1: Yeah, I had no idea.
0: And he said as long as the starlings go like three blocks away, they don't really care because the other block, they're not paying them. It's these two blocks that we're paying them (laughs) to, I guess, scare the starlings away. Anyway, that that was pretty fascinating. But the other great thing was that singers, songwriters, and musicians, Hall of Fame and Museum, I thought that was pretty cool.
1: Yeah, that was one of my favorite parts uh, going through there and Reading about all the different musicians, studio musicians a lot. Yeah. Uh... There was a section that was kind of dedicated to Glenn Campbell. He started off as a studio musician. Yeah, it's interesting. And uh, also a whole section about Johnny Cash.
0: And the week after we were there, Ringo Starr was there getting inducted. Yeah. So, yeah, I had a great time. Great seeing, you know, you and our friends Jeff and Steve. And we tried to do this like every other year, go someplace. The highlight, though, was when we all wore in Nashville the Dammit Gym shirts that you you made for everybody that was pretty awesome
1: yeah and i think we're what we're going to do is come up with a couple contests to uh give a couple of the shirts away yeah something to look forward to in future weeks probably as we get towards the end of this end of this uh season two
0: we all had a great time and we also did this like adventure ropes course zip lining kind of thing that was
1: fun yeah that was great tested our coordination and muscles and uh, some, <laughs> something else we need to work on so yeah uh, <laughs> we all failed miserably there were these like eight-year-old kids
0: who were like monkeys climbing those things and just all over the place but it was a lot of fun
1: yeah the whole the whole trip was great and so so dan i put out a question about who is your favorite uh star trek uh, the original series character on facebook and we did get a few responses to that yeah i bet so uh, Craig Roberts said, Scotty, with an exclamation point, he was a favorite as a kid, I think partially because Jimmy Duham was the first Star Trek actor that I met. He was so much fun and incredibly kind. He really made an impact. However, Scotty was always dependable, smart, and funny. Craig, if you're listening, I'd like to know more about where you met him.
0: Yeah, me too. Yeah.
1: Uh, Steve Brachia said, uh, Mr. Scott is my favorite. I really love I really love when he has uh, temporary command of the Enterprise. Terry Folsom said, the Orion slave girl? <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then he said, or is it Khan with a question mark? And her old friend Lou said, who? McCoy? Why? He's an everyman, the voice of the audience and not the space explorer Kirk and Spock and Scotty are. And he's the only man who can give Kirk orders. And he adds, I like them all, but if I had to pick, it's bones. Dan, we've we've asked each other this before. Your favorite
0: You're asking me? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I'm going to say, Dana, I I think I'm going to say I love Scotty. Love Scotty. Love Sulu. But I'm going to go with Uhura. Even though she had a pretty big role, especially for the time, being an African-American woman, she needed a bigger role, I think. So
1: I really like that character. How about you? I've always liked Scotty myself. Uh, when I was a kid, we would try to talk like Scotsman, like Scotty did and, uh, refer to my brothers and I would refer, refer to each other as laddie, stuff like that. I, I, there's something about Scotty. I, he, as, as other people have mentioned, uh, when he was in temporary command of the enterprise, he, you felt like he was able to handle it. And we've discussed that. Yeah, And I think, uh, you know, he was, there was uh, humor in his character, uh, some sensitivity. He had—I just think he had it all. Our, our last episode we did was a private little war. Yeah, and we did have a few comments I wanted to share before we uh, jumped into tonight's episode. Okay. William Crawl said, "I never thought I would." need the don't listen while driving warning but uh, the bit about the exploding pork and beans where's Waldo and squeal like a (laughs) mugatu had me crying with laughter so much I couldn't see even though I was part of the podcast uh, all that cracked me up as well (laughs) Dan, the the, uh, squeal like a mugatu still makes me laugh he says uh, luckily uh, I was at a stoplight and could compose myself before moving on (laughs) <laughs> and he adds i wonder how starfleet felt having to be in the arms war now with the klingons on tyree's planet uh our good friend pam said i would have been very disappointed if you hadn't touched on those terrible horrible wigs i mean i know it was the 60s but seriously <laughs> we couldn't overlook those steve braccia said great show today i'm in favor of we do a group buy on bill shatner's wig Uh Yes. Have you Have you checked into that, Dan? Has the price gone up on the uh, wig?
0: Yeah, thanks for asking, Dan. I actually checked this morning. So it's still up for auction up until the end of the month. Remember, the starting bid was $1,000. What do you think the bid was this morning?
1: $10,000? <laughs> I mean, it's William Shatner's wig. Yeah, come on.
0: Uh, the current bid is $1,150. So
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> we got a good shot at this. I think we just need to do that whole crowdfunding idea yeah
1: okay do a grassroots effort here
0: yeah uh, steve's in so we would just need you know our listeners to just just chip in a little bit
1: dan you had uh, a message from somebody else
0: yeah we got a message on facebook messenger from ann and ann said i just wanted to say that i appreciate your podcast very much i've started listening to the podcast about a month ago." And yesterday, I listened to what little girls are made of and searched Kirk Stalactite. And man, I've been traumatized. (laughs) (laughs) Then Anne says, by the way, English is not my native language, so sorry if I misspelled anything. I'm Dutch. And then she puts in LLAP for Live Long and Prosper and a little Spock Vulcan salute emoji. So Anne, thank you so much. It was great to get your uh, to get your message. Dana, we have listeners all over the world. It's really pretty cool. So Dana, the last couple of weeks, we didn't get any phone calls because we played uh, some Encore episodes. They didn't have the phone number, but I would like to remind people they can call us. The phone number is 509-676-6298. And if we like what we hear, we will put you on the podcast. Don't forget this Dammit Jim podcast is sponsored by PhotoBucket. PhotoBucket is an American company with over 100 million registered members and hosts over 10 billion images. Think of all the Star Trek memorabilia that must be out there on PhotoBucket as we speak, Dana.
1: Photobucket gives you one secure place to store your photo and video memories. It's easy to use, and there are several plans to choose from. And as a Dammit gym listener, you can have one month free.
0: Use the Dammit Gym promo code when you sign up to get that one month free, Dana. That's a great way to try out Photobucket.
1: That's right, Dan. For a limited time, Photobucket is offering one terabyte of data to store all your Star Trek memories for just $5. Photobucket just gets better and better. Okay, today's episode is Return to Tomorrow, Season 2, Episode 20. So the Enterprise is following a signal they've received. Spock points out that they are traveling through a region of space hundreds of light years farther than any Earth starship has ever explored. They come upon a planet that Spock says is much older than Earth and long dead. Its atmosphere was ripped away by some cataclysmic event about a half a million years ago. Uh, how does he know this? <laughs> <laughs> Could he count its rings? I, I don't know how that works. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I did wonder, that you know, to be able to look and go, okay, it doesn't have an atmosphere, I can get that. Yeah. But to say it was ripped away by a cataclysmic event about a half a million years ago, that's a leap. Yeah, 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 huge, yeah. So suddenly a voice addresses the ship, referring to the crew as his children. Oh, uh. God. God, Dana. This didn't take long. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Once again, we've got these aliens that are calling, you know, the Enterprise's children. Same thing with who
1: mourns for Adonais, right? Same kind of fun deal. Yeah, and, and then he uh, calls Kirk by name. Kirk says, uh, your planet is dead. No one is alive. And the voice says, I am Sargon. It is the energy of my thoughts which have touched your instruments It's getting kind of personal there. And and directed you here. And he says, now with this closer distance, I can speak to you at last. And Sargon tells him to assume a standard orbit about our planet. So how does he know what a standard orbit is? Isn't that what Kirk would say? You know, assume standard orbit. Assume the position, I think is what he would say. (laughs) Well, yeah, normally. But... uh... And so Kirk asks again about the planet and he says, and I am as dead as my planet. Does that frighten you, James Kirk? (laughs) For if it does, if... You let what is left of me perish, then all of you, my children, all of mankind must perish too. So Kirk makes the decision to move ahead and explore the planet. Spock says they have reached some form of energy on the planet. The sensor is registering
0: some form of energy deep inside the planet. Your probes have touched me, Mr. Spock. So Dana, what kind of probes are we talking about here that have touched Sargon?
1: Uh, I I not know Spock could uh, probe so Uh, so effectively from that distance. And deeply. Yeah. I think Chapel was on her way to the bridge right about that time. (laughs) And uh, Sargon seems to like it. He wants Spock to come along with the party. Right. Well, good. Good for Spock. So Kirk forms an away team and tells Spock he needs to stay on the ship. Spock starts to make his case for going, but Kirk says he cannot risk both of them on the mission.
0: Like they haven't done that a million times before, Dana. (laughs) Come on. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I was like, what's different about this? Suddenly the lights go out and Sulu reports the power has gone out. And Kirk goes back to Spock and says, on the other hand, perhaps this Sargon would like you to join us. Well, because he was probing him. Because <laughs> he liked being probed by Spock. So uh, Kirk leaves Sulu in command and they exit the bridge. Why wouldn't Sargon just say, I want Spock to come? Yeah, he wanted to show his power. Okay. In the transporter room, McCoy complains about no briefing for this mission. In the background, we see two security guards and one woman. And Scotty says he doesn't like it. Transporter coordinates set by an alien of some sort. And he says, you could transport down into Solid Rock. And McCoy seems very alarmed by this. And Kirk says, they or it could possibly destroy us just standing here if they wanted to. And the female crew member steps forward and says, they or it. And suddenly, Dan, the music changes. And it becomes like this romantic tone. Yeah. And Kirk turns around, sees her, and you can see he gets like a little smile on his face like, great, a chick. She says her name is Dr. Ann Mulhall. She says she was ordered to report here. And Kirk says, by whom? She says, that's strange. I don't know. And Kirk gives her a look. And then she says, I'm not lying. I did receive an order to be here. And Spock says, I'm sure she did. Just as you received an order to bring me along. Once
0: again, though, Dana, like in many other episodes, a person just shows up.
1: Right at the right time. Yep.
0: <laughs> who just happens to have the skills that they need. I mean, how many times does this happen? We should keep a count. We probably should. <laughs>
1: because I've got a feeling it's going to happen again.
0: So, almost always women. Not not exclusively. I mean, we had the episode with Jaeger, I think that was Squire Gothos. and Mabanga. M- M- <laughs> <laughs> Wait, M- Mabinga? Mabinga? Mabinga
1: was it was it Mabinga?
0: The the doctor. The doctor. I think it was the slapping doctor. I think it was Mabinga. Yeah.
1: Mabinga, sorry.
0: We had Dr. Noel.
1: Yep psychologist yeah or psychiatrist whatever it
0: was uh-huh we had uh, the woman in space seed who was the whatever the hell she was
1: a bad painter
0: she was a bad <laughs> painter but it was like historical ancient societies or something like that and then and then we had uh the woman in whom mourns for Adonais, who was like an
1: expert in Greek mythology or yeah yeah something <laughs> yeah because she was good at crosswords and that comes up a lot yeah so uh. <laughs>
0: God, it happens so many times. We really should keep a count of this one. We really should.
1: That would be our highest count, I think, so far. I think you're right. <laughs>
0: exactly right.
1: McCoy says, let's get back to this solid rock business. How much rock are we going? <laughs> he's, he's just, he's just <laughs> hung up on the whole rock thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, of course, Spock says, 112.7 miles. And McCoy says, you're joking. And Sargon says, shut the f*** up or I won't invite you along. Okay. <laughs> so so many people
0: tell McCoy to shut the f*** up. <laughs> yeah. hey,
1: <I> wonder why.
0: <laughs> Man, I used to really like McCoy. Now I think he's just an <laughs> annoying little
1: bitch. <laughs> So Sargon says he will operate the transporter controls. They, you know, why not?
0: Yeah, why not? I mean, everyone can though, right? <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean, yeah, I'm sure that uh, the dog with the horn as I could have operated the transporter controls. <laughs> <so. laughs> <laughs> And Spock, Kirk, Mulhall, and McCoy all beam down, but the security guards do not. The team quickly analyzes the air and the structure they are in. Then a door opens, and they see a large room with flashing objects and a sphere that glows, and says, Welcome, I am Sargon. God, Dana, this... (laughs) (laughs) as if we couldn't have written this script ourselves (laughs) in our sleeve spock analyzes the sphere and says matter without form oh we've heard that before (laughs) yeah Uh, mccoy says but you once had a body at one time right and sargon replies yes like yours my children though our minds were infinitely greater but isn't every mind that they meet infinitely greater yes yes i mean we just
0: saw it with the with the jello brains oh man those guys piss me off the more i think about those jello brains really piss me off (laughs) (laughs) how long have you been thinking
1: about this Dana? (laughs) like a month and a half (laughs) (laughs) don't get me started on the jello brains So, (laughs) so kirk says that's twice you've referred to us as your children Sargon says, because it is possible you are our descendants. 6,000 centuries ago, our vessels were colonizing this galaxy, just as your own starships have now begun to explore the vastness. As you now leave your own seed on distant planets, so we left our seed behind us. He knows Kirk well. (laughs) 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 He does. So, So he says, perhaps your own legends of Adam and Eve were two of our travelers. And Mallhall steps up and says, Our history suggests that life evolved independently. And Spock says, That could explain certain elements of Vulcan prehistory.
0: Yeah, none of that makes any freaking sense.
1: Exactly. Thank you. It, and it's pointless. Sargon says, It is difficult to say our records were lost centuries ago and the cataclysm we loosened upon ourselves. So Kirk says, War? And Sargon says, A struggle. An unleashing of such power you could not comprehend.
0: Yeah, you, you you can't even begin to understand anything I'm saying, which is like the watchers of this show. No one can understand what the hell you're saying. Because none of it makes any sense.
1: Kirk says perhaps you weren't as intelligent as you thought. And he explains that Earth faced a similar fate. Sargon says you're boring the shit out of me. Let me get to my point. <laughs> <laughs>
0: He was boring me, I got to tell you. (laughs) I wanted to hear more about this uh, seed spreading. That's what I wanted to
1: know about. Sargon says, and we survived our primitive nuclear era, my son, but there comes to all races an ultimate crisis. He says, one day our minds became so powerful we dared think of ourselves as gods wait this is such a new idea in star trek dana (laughs) so kirk you know tries to get him back on track and says uh you wanted help suddenly kirk looks strange and he's like pushed back from the sphere and then sargon appears to talk through kirk saying i am sargon but when when Sargon goes in his body, he's kind of walking a little
0: strangely, you know, like, okay, Sargon hasn't been in a body for who knows, millennia.
1: Oh, that's right. He walks around the room, like, you know, testing his legs and stuff. Yeah.
0: Definitely looks like he's just dumped a load in his pants. I mean, <laughs> the way that he's walking and, and the way he's kind of feeling himself. I was like, oh, oh my God, this is going to get a little kinky. <laughs> yeah. You can imagine Shatner really going to town with that. Oh, yeah. It was definitely
1: a Shatfest. There were some Shatfests in this uh, in this episode. And the voice is now like a mixture of Kirk and Sargon's. And Kirk says, lungs filled with air again. Then he like touches his eyes and to see again, heart pumping, arteries surging with blood again. Colon exploding. <laughs> what the hell do you have for breakfast yeah (laughs) (laughs) lactose intolerance
0: i forgot about that
1: (laughs) so he says a half a million years to be again the uh, entity inside Kirk says, have no fear. Your captain is quite unharmed. So McCoy says, are you aware what's happening to his body? And McCoy is scanning him. He says, heart action doubled, body temperature 104 degrees. Mulhall says, if you don't leave, his body will die. And Spock asks, what is it you want of us? And the uh, Kirk Sargon says, in the next room, there are other receptacles. The other two of us that survived. You, Dr. Ann Mulhall and you, Mr. Spock, we require your bodies. We must have Captain Kirk and you so that we may live again. The next thing we see is them enter another room where several, several orbs are on the shelves. Two of the spheres are glowing with a pulsing light. And uh, Kirk goes to them and says, Even for us, a half a million years is almost too long to wait. Two others still survive, Hennock and Thalassa. Was it Thalisa? I listened to that
0: thing every time he said it, and I think I heard it said a different way each time. Yeah. Thalisa, Thalisa I I don't know, whatever doesn't matter cuz someone's going to correct
1: us. The Kirk Sargon goes on says only the best minds were chosen to, to survive. My wife, as you may have guessed, and then Henock from the other side. Realizing our mistake, we attempted to perpetuate both sides. Yeah, they probably they probably shouldn't have. They probably just should have called it quits. So he says I was left to search, my mind probing, waiting, probing. <laughs> Did I mention probing? (laughs) And seeding, a lot of (laughs) seeding. And Mohal says, so you could steal our bodies from us? He says, to steal, to take them away from you? No, no, my children, you misunderstand. We mean only that you should lend us your bodies for a short time. And Spock says, Our bodies, Sargon, for what purpose? And the Kirk Sargon says to build humanoid robots.
0: Oh, so now we got androids involved here. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And they're going to put their essence in an android, and then they'll live inside of an
1: android. My God, Dana, this is like a rehash of everything. Yeah, not a good one either. No. Mm -mm. And then he says, It is time. He gets like, Kind of weak looking, and they take him back to the sphere. And Kirk looks like he's ill; looks like he's going to barf or something. And then the other three just like walk away from him. Yeah, I would. No, looked like he had COVID. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> See, we should have left you in Nashville. <laughs> <laughs> Kirk winces in pain, then drops to his knees, and the other three go to him, though they didn't exactly rush to him. No, they, <laughs> so, they took the slow, slow walk. So McCoy scans him and says his metabolic rate is back to normal. And Kirk explains that uh, when the exchange happened, he says, for a moment, they were one. He says he understands Sargon and knows him. I know what he wants, and I don't fear him. So McCoy says, that's the most ridiculous statement I've ever heard. Well, hold on, McCoy. There's going to be some more in this episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he says, uh, an alien practically hijacks your body and then quirks you into a bottle. And Mulhall says, I'm afraid that I must agree with Dr. McCoy. Sargon says, go back to your ship. We can wait a few more hours. And McCoy asks, what if we disagree? And Sargon says, then you can go as freely as you came." So on the shift, Scotty's having a cow. He says, you're going to do what? (laughs) That was kind of funny. (laughs) And Kirk says, it's a simple transference. Once they finish, they can travel back with us. We can learn from them. Kirk turns to McCoy and says, "Uh, you must agree to this. It must be unanimous. McCoy states he still wants one question answered to his satisfaction. He slaps the table he says, Why? And let's not kid ourselves that there is no potential danger in this.
0: Here's the danger, Dana, that this scene is going to go
1: on and on and on. And that danger actually plays out, doesn't it? I do have to say, this is one of my favorite parts of this episode. This what Kirk has to say. Risk is our business. That's what the starship is all about. That's why we're aboard her. So the next thing we see is sickbay. Spock, Mulhall, and Kirk are all on hospital beds with the spheres next to them. McCoy and Chapel are monitoring the process. There's a high-pitched sound, and then it, when it fades, Kirk, uh, Sargon, says the transfer is complete. And we see Spock as he wakes up with a slight smile. Chapel, of course, goes over to him, and uh, he looks at her and smiles, smiles and says, You are a lovely female. What a sight to wake up to after a half a million years. Dana, 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 <laughs> Dana. And it's not just like a normal grin he's got. It's, it's lascivious. So the next thing we see is Mulhall wake and uh, she calls for Sargon. Kurt says, here in this body. And they go to each other and, and finally they kiss. Then Spock says, this is an excellent body. Strength, hearing, eyesight, all above human norms. How would he know what human norms are? He's an alien, just woke up after half a bazillion years or something.
0: Gosh, that's a good point. I didn't even think about that one. Uh, yeah, add, it, add that
1: to the list of how stupid this episode is. <laughs> <laughs> and suddenly Mahal looks weak, and then Kirk... Uh, they get them both back in their beds. McCoy suggests Spock uh, gets back to his bed, but Spock says this Falcon body is used to a higher metabolism. And Kirk Sargon says uh, they'll vacate the bodies until, until they can administer a metabolism reduction injection. Spock says he'll start work on it at once and ask that Chapel assist him.
0: Chapel was very, very excited when he said that.
1: Oh, yeah. So the next thing we see is Spock Hennock working in a lab. He hands a hypo to Chapel and says, this is for Thalassa. Then he hands another one to her and says, mark this one for me. And he prepares a third one, and it looks a little different. And he says, this is for Captain Kirk, while Sargon is in his body. And Chapel says, that one looks different. Spock smiles and says, I know, but since you administer the injections, no one will notice. And when Chapel questions again, Spock reaches out and touches her forehead, and after that she can't remember what was going on, and Spock says, "Very good. You see, Sargon would not permit me to keep this body. It is therefore necessary for you to kill your captain so that Sargon will die with him."
0: Yeah, and she's like totally oblivious, doesn't know what's going on. I mean, he totally gaslight her. <laughs> That happens so much in the show.
1: I think we need to keep a count how many times you bring up the Cosby uh, thing. So.
0: <laughs> it's probably five or six times at this point, I would guess.
1: Oh, I think it's more. In engineering lab, we see Mulhall and Kirk working together. She touches his hand and starts reminiscing about a time they were together. Then Spock walks in. He says, uh, in two days, you'll have your own hands, mechanically efficient and quite human-looking hands, without feeling he says, so enjoy this taste of life while you can. So you've had all this time, 500,000 years. Yeah. You've been probing the galaxies, reaching out with your mind. You've had time to think mm-hmm. about building androids. You've got diagrams in your head. So at some point you go, Okay, gotta make it see, right? Mm-hmm. Gotta make it use its hands. Sure. Gotta make it walk. Yeah. So another century passes by. Okay. And you go, what else could it use? <laughs> Maybe I'd like to be able to taste food. Yeah. You know. So you go, well, what would that take? Okay, I'll do some pondering on that for another hundred years. Yeah. And you still got, you know, four hundred thousand years to go. Right. So I I think in all that time you could have come up with a way to have feeling in your fingertips. Yeah, without a doubt. So in the lab, we see Mulhall examining her face and reflection. Her hair is down. Scotty comes in and drops something off for her. And she says, thank you. Have you prepared the Negaton hydrocoils for the drawing Sargon supply? So Scotty says, for all the good, it'll do you. I tell you, lady, this thing won't work. <laughs> <laughs> he should have said it to the freaking writer.
0: space is not just a final frontier actually space as in available memory can be an annoying frontier photo bucket can keep you from getting those phone-as-full messages when you're trying to take an important picture.
1: Avoid the phone is full message with Photobucket's auto-backup feature and never worry about running out of room again.
0: Photobucket works with you to make sure you don't miss an important picture because you're out of storage. Right now, Photobucket is offering one terabyte of storage for $5. Couple that with the auto-backup feature, and you'll have all the space you will need.
1: Dan, I think my phone only holds about uh, 256 gigabytes? It seems crazy, but that amount of space fills up fast.
0: And I'm no mathematician, Dana, but you need to multiply that by four to get the same amount of
1: space as one terabyte. Four times? That must be hundreds of thousands of images. That's a lot of space, Dan. Speaking of space, where is Kirk? We go into the briefing room, and there's Kirk. Kirk. He looks poor. He calls McCoy and McCoy says he'll be right there. Mulhall, Thalisa enters and says, In time, a host body will become accustomed to us and will no longer need injections. And he stands and says, uh, that would take months, even years. She touches his face. He says, feel my touch. Mm-hmm. He says, no, no, my beloved. She says, beloved, what will that word mean to a machine? He says, our thoughts will intertwine. Mulhall says, will they, husband? Will they intertwine like this? Can two minds press close like this? <laughs>
0: I mean, I thought it sounded bad when I heard it in the episode. This makes it so- not, not, it's not your reading of it, Dana. It's just so freaking stupid. I just got to read what's there, Dana. I'm not shooting the messenger. I'd like to shoot the freaking writer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so then she says, Can robot lips do this? And they kiss. <laughs> then Kirk smiles at her and then he falls to the floor. McCoy and Chapel enter the room. McCoy holds out his hand. And says, hypo. Chapel gives him the hypo. Mulhall says, doctor, help him. And they bend over and inject him. And then a moment later, McCoy stands up and says, he's dead. Wow. that That actually was a little shocking. So we get another medical log from McCoy. Do I list one death or two? When Kirk's body died, Sargon was too far distant from his receptacle to transfer back. Sargon is dead. But is Captain Kirk dead? His body is. But his consciousness is still in the receptacle.
0: Yeah, this this whole episode needs to go into a receptacle,
1: Dana. <laughs> oh, soon, soon, Dana. <laughs> We see Chapel, McCoy, and another nurse standing over Kirk uh, in sickbay as the readouts on the monitor are all very low. The nurse says, all of his organs are working now. McCoy says, yes, we can keep them going for a few weeks or a month for all the good it will do. Obviously, they haven't heard about modern medicine where they keep people alive in comas for years. In the lab, uh, Spock and Mulhall are standing over a male android form on the table. Spock explains this is her android body, and once she enters it, he will make adjustments so it will be feminine. <laughs> he says, you'll no doubt want to at least appear to be a woman. Why make it a male body?
0: Yeah, but the body was the most bizarre looking thing. It
1: was a real guy.
0: Yeah, but it was like covered with wax or something.
1: Yeah. And there's, uh, you know, in the blooper reel, there's a quick shot where the guy is like peeling this latex off of him. And uh, it's because, like, he just hated having it all. I mean, it was all over his body. Back in sickbay, McCoy is standing over Kirk. Mulhall walks in and asks if he would like to save their captain. She goes on to say they have many powers that Sargon would not permit them to use. She goes to the sphere where Mulhall is contained and says, I like this body. I intend to keep it. And McCoy says... And Hanak intends to keep Spock's body? She says, I only wish to go on living in peace as a living woman. McCoy says, if you're asking my approval, and Mulholl says, I'm only asking for your silence. Only you and I will know that I have taken Mulholl's body. Isn't that worth your captain's life? Except that every time she speaks,
0: she echoes. (laughs) Nobody will ever notice.
1: No one would ever notice the (laughs) echoing voice. (laughs) So she adds, uh, we can do whatever we want. Neither you nor your ship nor worlds have the power to stop us. McCoy says he won't peddle flesh. I'm a physician. Oh, we were so close, Dan. So
0: close. I thought the same thing when I heard that one, yeah.
1: She says, I could destroy you with a single thought. Suddenly McCoy is writhing in pain as like purple flames surround him. Mulhall looks on sad. And then she finally says, stop. She said stop because she was like, you
0: make the worst person in pain that I've ever seen.
1: Oh, no. There's one better at the end of the show. Mulhall goes to him and says, "Sargon was right. The temptations of a living body are too great. Forgive me." Then Sargon speaks, saying, "I am pleased, my beloved." So where the hell is he? Is he still alive or is he dead? Where, where, where is this guy? He says, "You have found the truth for yourself." Mulhall says, "Where are you?" See, you're not the only one that asks that. Oh, good. <laughs> I forgot you said that. <laughs> She says, I thought you were destroyed by Hinnok. And Sargon says, I have power that even Hinnok does not expect. So Chapel comes in and Malhall turns to McCoy and says, leave us. Sargon has a plan. There is much work to do. So McCoy exits the sickbay and he turns back and the ship is suddenly rocked. And he goes to the door and he tries to reenter, but the door doesn't open. He goes around the corner and... And then Chapel comes through the door like a zombie. She doesn't speak. McCoy calls to her, but she continues walking on. McCoy goes back into sickbay and sees Kirk alive. Yeah. And Kirk says he's fine. McCoy looks around the room at the spheres. They are all destroyed, looking like they were on fire.
0: Yeah, what happened to them? That
1: must be what rocked the
0: ship. I mean, it was kind of cool looking, but like, I just still don't understand how it happened.
1: McCoy says the receptacles, Spock's consciousness was in one of them. And Kirk says it was necessary. And Kirk says bones, prepare a hypo, the fastest, deadliest poison to Vulcans. Spock's consciousness is gone. We must kill his body and the thing in it. So we go to the bridge and see Uhura screaming and Spock slash Hennock is standing over her. And then she just collapses on her console. And then he zips his pants back up and... So that works every time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, Spock takes the command chair. Chapel stands next to him like a robot. And Sulu turns to him and Spock warns, must I make an example of you as well? You've
0: been missing for the past 10 episodes. You've only had one line in this one. <laughs> yeah, do you want to be missing from all the rest of the episodes? <laughs> and he's thinking, yeah, if they're like this, yes. <laughs> I would like to be missing, please.
1: You mean the Shakespearean masterpiece (laughs) that they've concocted here? Yeah. (laughs) Ooh, threaten me. Uh just then Kirk, Mulhall, and McCoy enter the bridge. Spock suddenly inflicts pain on them. Kirk falls to his knees and Mulhall bends over like she's got bad gas or bloating or something.
0: <laughs> so this is the this is the worst. Uh I'm in pain acting that, that you've seen.
1: Yeah, I mean she just grabs her stomach and kind of like doubles over a little bit. I mean, but the look on her face, it was even kind of like, how long do I have to hold this? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was bad, Dana. Very bad. So McCoy comes down and tries to inject Spock, but Spock stops him and says, unfortunately, doctor, I know every thought of every person around me. And Spock tells Chapel to take the hypo from McCoy and inject him with it. She pulls the hypo and then she puts it against McCoy's arm. And then all of a sudden she turns and injects Spock. And Spock stands shocked and surprised and uh, says you fools i'll just transfer to another place another body and he turns and looks sky- skyward and says sargon and he says no sargon please let me trance and then he falls to the floor
0: yeah i might i might add a very dirty floor again did you notice i, w-
1: I was gonna say there are stains on that floor yeah. dan i'm you had seen one before i saw multiple just like within i don't know a few inches of spock but a mess, Dane. It was a mess. Yeah, it looked like somebody ate lunch there.
0: Do they not have a carpet cleaning service on the Enterprise? Do they not have
1: napkins? You know, paper towels. <laughs> I mean, <it's... laughs> I mean, remember Parkies?
0: Oh yeah.
1: The French fries come in the bottom of the bag, and even though it's got wax paper, it like still soaked through. The, the grease would soak through the bag. Oh, they were so good.
0: They were great. The Parkies hot
1: dogs. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. But I mean, you could, looks like you set those down on the on the on the floor. It did. Yeah, it did. And I remember going there one time and I was, I set the bag on my lap because we drove there <laughs> and got of the house and my the stain never came out of my no. pants. It was just.
0: <laughs> yeah. For, for our listeners who don't know Parkies, this was kind of a Chicago land institution and you would get a brown paper bag with very greasy French fries and like a Chicago dog stuffed in the same bag.
1: So uh, Kirk gets up and he runs over to Spock and the helmsman, <laughs> when Kirk. Kneels down next to Spock. been <laughs> kind of like looks down, like "Ooh, a dead body." <laughs> just, it was like the weirdest look, kind of like eh, "He's dead." <laughs> and then he just looks back at his controls. You know, it's just like "Yeah, this happens all the time in space." Yeah, so there's so many spots on the floor from all this. <laughs> yeah, Kirk checks Spock, and Kirk is just like distraught. He said, "If there'd only been another way." Then Sargon speaks. It says, I could not allow the sacrifice of one so close to you. If you'd chosen McCoy, it would have been different. But, uh... <laughs> we took
0: a vote. If it was McCoy, no. <laughs>
1: So then also we see kind of a light over Spock's face, and then there's this kind of high-pitched sound, and Chapel nearly faints as everyone turns to look at her. Spock stands. Sargon explains that the hypo was not a poison, but Sargon may, had made McCoy believe it was, so when Henock read his mind, he would believe it too. Oh, okay, that... Tidies it all up for us, yeah. Spock says the hypo was only enough to cause unconsciousness. And Sargon adds, but Henneck believed and fled the body. He is destroyed. Kirk asks, but Spock's consciousness was destroyed. And Chapel explains that Spock's consciousness was stored in her. The one place Henock would never look. So so what you're saying is Mr. Spock
0: was inside of Nurse Chapel.
1: Yeah, uh deep inside. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, I, I didn't really realize how bad it was until we started talking about it.
1: Oh, I realized when I think the credits were rolling. at the beginning. <laughs> so Sargon says, we now know we cannot permit ourselves to exist in your world, my children. Thalisa and I must now depart into oblivion. Well, why not just make the freaking androids? That seemed like it was a good idea. So, uh, Kirk says, is there any way we can help you Sargon? And Sargon says, yes, my son, you can allow Thalisa and me to share your bodies again, a last moment together. hall agrees. And then, uh, Mulhall says, uh, as she's now Thalisa again, oblivion together does not frighten me, beloved promise. We'll be together. Mulhall says together forever. And Kirk says, forever, beloved. Oh, uh, God, this episode's going on forever. Yeah, and the, the scene's going on forever. They embrace and kiss, and the light thing happens again during it. And so then they break the kiss, and Kirk seems a little bit embarrassed. And Kirk says, well, I'm sure that Sargon appreciated your cooperation, Dr. Mulhall." And she says, uh, yes, I was happy to cooperate, Captain. And Chapel says, it was beautiful. And then she looks at Spock. And thank God, Dan, that's the way the show ends. <laughs>
0: Painful, Dana. Painful. Dana, you have some information on one of the guest actors in this episode.
1: Yeah, Dan, uh, Diane Maldar uh, was one of the only females to play two different roles in the original series and also appeared in The Next Generation. She appeared in like the whole second season, pretty much. She has appeared in multiple TV shows and several movies, including a John Wayne movie, McHugh. Amazingly enough, she did not appear in any Elvis movies. Huh? Oh, how about any adult films? <laughs> not that I could see. She's still alive, 85 years old. She is very active as a dog breeder and judges dog shows. I thought she was really
0: good in this episode. And I think in The Next Generation, she was really good. She she became the doctor in the second season, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. So uh, I do have one other note about this show, Dan. Uh, the Voice of Sargon? Yeah. was voiced by James Doohan.
0: Wow, really? Without the Scottish accent.
1: That would have been funny if he'd had the
0: Scottish accent. <laughs> <That> would have been.
1: <laughs> so, do you have anything uh, you want to add, Dan?
0: The main thing I want to talk about is, once again, we've got a writer who writes a script, Roddenberry goes in, he messes it all up, the writer gets mad, and they change their name in the credits. So, the guy who wrote this episode, John T. Dugan, he wrote the original script, and Roddenberry didn't like some of the stuff in it, so he Changed it. He did an uncredited rewrite. John Dugan did not like that ending. And so he said, well, okay, I'm going to change my name in the credits to John Kingsbridge. Why? You know, why, why? Doesn't make any sense to me. Chalk another one up to Gene Roddenberry changing the script and someone getting angry about it. Dana, how about some themes and dilemmas in this episode?
1: Dan, the only thing I was able to come up with is uh, never trust an alien entity whose brain is confined in a sphere for hundreds of thousands of years.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Especially if they're pulsating in some way.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, and they just and they act like they're there to help you.
0: Yeah, my dilemma was the writing of this episode and how bad it was. So,
1: Dan, you got a best part from this episode?
0: Yeah, I thought Nimoy playing the evil Hennick was really well done, and he didn't overdo it, I thought. How about you, a best part?
1: Uh, I agree. Not only seeing him as a different type of character, showed some emotion, some smiling, and I, and I liked that, it, like you said, he didn't overplay it. You got another best part for us? I did like
0: the creepy-looking android, and as one of our listeners said in a comment about this episode, it does kind of look like a crash test dummy. <laughs> So, yeah, I like the creepy looking android. How about
1: another best part for you? McCoy's concern throughout the show comes across as like uh, quite often the only person of reason in the episode. Yeah, you know, we, we give McCoy a lot of grief because he's often kind of the voice of that doom and gloom, but uh, like a reality check.
0: How about a worse part for you, Dana?
1: Oh, so many. But here's my number one. Sargon says in the beginning, if you let what is left of me perish, then all of you, my children, all of mankind must perish too. Mm-hmm. And this is never, ever explained. The only thing I could think, which is more than the writer did, <laughs> is that uh, they were trying to keep them from destroying themselves at some point in the future, but it's not really clear. It's just, it's kind of a stupid comment. What's a, what's a worst part for you?
0: This overuse theme of aliens are like godlike and maybe the progenitors of the human race. Come on. Like how many times have we seen this? I think that's why the writer changed his name. Cause he realized, Ooh man, maybe this episode was pretty stupid. <laughs> I don't want anyone to know I wrote it. <laughs> and another one
1: that you really want to kind of unburden yourself of Dana? <laughs> We find out after it's been going on for a while that the aliens have uh, amazing superpowers. So how about another worst part for you, Dan?
0: Lots of talking. Lots of talking. (laughs) Lots of talking. It just goes on and on, Dana.
1: Dana, what happened on this day in history? The uh, number one song in the U.S. was Love is Blue by Paul Marriott and his orchestra. In the UK, uh, number one song was Mighty Quinn by Manfred Mann, which uh, a few years later, they would uh, re-release on another album uh, with uh, synthesizers and heavy guitars and stuff. And that's actually my favorite version of the Mighty Quinn song. And Mighty Quinn is a Bob Dylan song, by the way. On a lighter note, twenty-one people in Ceylon were killed while riding from the capital city of Colombo after the bus that they were in fell one hundred and fifty feet off of a cliff. That was a lighter note. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know why the bus driver was probably watching this episode? And was like, "That's it, we're we're ending it now."
1: <laughs> On February eighth, the classic science fiction film *Planet of the Apes* premiered in New York City. Really. That's the one with Charlton Heston? Yeah, I still love that movie. Oh, yeah, it's a good movie, yeah. I'm going to skip ahead a few days, Dan. On February 12th, the 25th Golden Globe Awards were held. In the heat of the night, uh, won the award for Best Picture Drama, while The Graduate took home the award for Best Picture Comedy. Before we get to the counts, Dan, we want to once again thank our sponsor, PhotoBucket.
0: Photobucket, where memories come alive, the go-to platform for all your photo
1: and video sharing needs. So whether you're a dedicated Trekkie or just discovering the wonders of Star Trek universe for the first time, tune in to our podcast and let Photobucket help you capture the essence of your own interstellar journey. Every picture
0: and video you take today is a memory you'll treasure tomorrow. That's something Photobucket takes seriously and what makes Photobucket different. Compression-free backup cloud storage means your pictures and videos won't lose quality over time. So that picture you take at your first Star Trek convention will still look as fresh and new when you go to your 25th.
1: Remember, use the code Jim for a free month of Photobucket when you sign up. All right, Dana, how about if we do the counts? I've been waiting for this, Dan. Let's do the dead crewman count.
0: Zero this week. I mean, unless we count Kirk because he was dead, but then came back to life. What, what do you think? It seems like we did that once before. We did. We did. It was a half, <laughs> and it was it was McCoy, and then we got another half somewhere else that it worked its way out and made it a whole. So, I mean, he he was dead, right?
1: Uh, They kept him alive. They kept his organs and everything alive, so.
0: Uh, Probably zero then, huh? Let's go with zero. All right. We'll do zero. That means we are still stuck at 44. How about the
1: shirtless Kirk rib shirt Kirk count? Nothing this week. I thought maybe the uh, uh, Android body was uh, William Shatner in disguise, uh, just so he could get his shirt off. But uh, so we're still stuck at 16, Dan. How about the he's dead count? We did get
0: one this week. McCoy... Said he's dead about Kirk slash Sargon, even though he wasn't really apparently dead, but he said it, so we we got one this week for a total of fourteen
1: Dana. How about I'm a doctor, not a fill in the blank? Oh, we were so close. I just thought when he said I'm a physician, uh zero, we're still stuck at eight. The supreme being, being being count. I think we got one this week, right? I mean, they
0: were all kind of supreme, but especially Sargon, how he kind of did all his stuff. Yeah, I I have it as one. So that's uh, one this week for a total of 10. How about the violation of the Prime Directive? No. Yeah, I mean, it violated, like, good writing. Yeah, but not the Prime Directive.
1: We're stuck at eight. How about taking over the Enterprise, Dan?
0: Well, Sargon did it, right? He turned off the lights, turned them back on, and probably did some other stuff. So yes, we got one this week, Dana. We now have eight. So Dana, it feels good to be back at it. Hopefully no more COVID or anything else will impede our progress to get through season two. So what do we have coming up next week?
1: Next week, Dan, it's Patterns of Force.
0: Well, even though this one... I thought this week was particularly bad. It was still fun to talk about it. Had a great time. And I look forward to talking about next week's episode
1: with you next week. Dan, I'm glad to see you're back amongst the living on the road to recovery. As always, it's a great pleasure to uh, talk Star Trek with you. And to our loyal listeners, thanks so much for continuing to listen and continuing to write in. Don't forget that you can call us. And Dan, what's that phone number?
0: It is 676-6298. and remember william shatner's hairpiece is still up for bid be looking for our gofundme i mean there, there are a lot of things, Dana. let's face it there are a lot of good causes in the world especially now a lot of people are struggling but what would be more valuable than us having william shatner's hairpiece
1: i can't think of anything off the top of my head
0: i can't either really <laughs> So be looking for a, a GoFundMe
1: campaign for William
0: Shatner's hairpiece.
1: I wonder if we started that and got that. I mean, there's no, like, legal ramifications we could have. I'm, I'm sure there are, but <laughs> if we
0: don't think about it, then it they don't exist.
1: Uh, so true. So true. <laughs> All right.
0: See you next week, Dana.
1: Okay. Until we meet again, live long and prosper.
0: Thanks once again for listening to Damn It Jim, the podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Please send us an email at dammitjimpodcast at gmail.com or join the discussion on Facebook, X, Instagram, or YouTube. You can also call us at the Damn It Jim hotline at 509-676-6298. Make sure to join Dan and Dana next week for Patterns of Force. Enjoy the rest of your week. And until we see you again, remember to live life. Long and prosper. This has been a Ramble Jar production.